Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. 
Sports Talk Radio Every weekend night with Princess Cooper Never had it so good radio Now on 101.1 And it's 24-7 The world's best radio station In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshaies is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshaies has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshaies. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. You know, I come to you today and asking how important is it to be respected? And when I ask that question, I know that every individual has a different reason or need to to be respected. And I know those who that call you that call in will understand and appreciate the importance of being respected. I though, when I talk about respect, want it to be known that. I want to be a good father, a good employee. I want to be a good neighbor. I want to do all those things that I am characterized, and I want to be good or better. But I realize that there are people who go around our country who create a bad stereotype for those of us who want to be respected. And when these kinds of things happen, we ask ourselves, you know, why can't we reach these people and help these people to understand the detriment that they cause 
when they go around creating senseless senseless violence. I sent you all a um, couple of videos uh, some time back of a young lady who just was in a foul mood and just was on a rampage. Everywhere she went, anytime somebody did something wrong to her, her answer to it was to become violent. And she was at a uh, McDonald's where because somebody gave her the wrong order, she found it necessary to go behind the counter and one of the employees. You know, and, and so we wonder when we are raising children, we want to raise people that we can be proud of and that people we can can be respected as they go about their day. So we just want to talk about how important it is for us to to assist those that don't think their behaviors <laughs> create chaos in our society because they don't know how to carry themselves and how important it is to just um, fool and old people alike to know what kind of role they play in our society each and every day. Somebody's looking and somebody's paying attention. Cheryl, what are, what are your thoughts in terms of how our individual behaviors every day says something to somebody and is is a part of the greater society, no matter where you are or where you live, who you are says something to people who are watching you. Good evening, and how is everyone doing this evening? Um, you know, when you talk about respect and being respected, you know, I always look at how I carry myself, how I handle myself. And because someone is always watching you, turn is how people treat you and the level of respect that people will have for you. You can't pretend to be one thing in front of some people and another in front of other people because people began to know who you actually are, whether that is a positive person or whether your actions are negative. And in return, find that people today will treat you, your family, your children, you know, society. When I find that um, in the way that I carry myself and the way that I act, I'm respected on all different levels, you know, and that comes with my children um, in my community. And, you know, a lot of times people say, your children have a lot of respect for you, what I show them. And that's what I show my community. That's what I show people around me. You know, 
And when we show something different, then people begin to treat you in a different way. So I, you know, I believe that whoever we show people who we are, meaning sincerely who we are, is how people will treat us. You know, I, I find it uh, that these television shows, these these new television shows, have been truly detrimental to society because all these shows about, you know, you my uh, uh, baby's daddy and, and all these shows that um, show African-Americans in a bad light have, have had a negative impact on us as a whole because a lot of people believe that's who we are. And I know that I live in a society where the people that I associate with, the people who are my friends, the people who have been my church members, we are nothing like those the people that are betrayed on these shows. So, D, uh, sometimes I think because white America does not truly have a lot of African-Americans that they interact with on a regular basis, those people become the reality. And the hardworking Amer- black Americans who who are doing what they're supposed to each and every day are not the ones that they think are the reality that exists in America. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, uh, looking back going forward, it's probably the, the better topic of, of the show that we've had in the past year or so. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, when you frame that into uh, the importance of us tr- trying to project who we are and for us not to be stereotyped by white America, for one. Uh, more importantly, I think that uh, it's important for us to recreate ourselves. And I think that's the best way to uh, try to define what it is that we're talking about. To, to, to know that we don't have to always be what we once were. I think that's the greatest gift from God that's, that is, that's actually overlooked on a continuous basis, that we have the ability and the, and the gift of choice. And one of those choices is the decision to recreate one's self. Now, when we, when we do this in the hope that white America will uh, accept us in a better light, in a better light, I'm sorry, would accept us in a better light, well, okay, we can do that. Uh, in this year of exposure, uh, it seems as though that their opinion of us is set in stone. So that's good. We can move forward with that. But more importantly, I think that it's important that we do so for ourselves and for one another, for our own culture. You know, uh, this is the day, 50 years ago, this is the day uh, of uh, the day after Dr. King's assassination. 
And if you can look back 50 years ago, if you can take a look in that window 50 years ago, the day after Detroit was on fire, Chicago was on fire, parts of Los Angeles was on fire, we was in a bad spot. We was in a bad space. They took from us the only hope that we had in modern times next to Jesus Christ. And a lot of us, a lot of people, especially people of color and black people or or of of the black race, a lot of us really, honestly, you got to be honest when I say this, never recovered. We were like sheep lost without a shepherd. Now imagine that in modern times. However, the the greatest gift that God, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, is the power to recreate ourselves, to be something that we're supposed to be. And so uh, I, I I live by that. That was one of the things that uh, that brought me to your show because I wanted to really convey that. And, uh, James, I think you're right on track in bringing that message to the forefront. Thank you. You know, it has always been my desire uh, to show my parents my appreciation by not embarrassing them. And I was not always um, good at at doing that. Uh, I had a daughter when I was 16. Um, I didn't get involved in drinking. I didn't get involved in drugs. Uh, But I was at a very young age. I left and went to South Carolina State, and I tried to do my best to carry on that because I knew that my mom would not appreciate me being up there with no foolishness. So I tried to do the best that I could there. And I remember when I went to Virginia to teach to teach um, for the first time, and I remember a white guy telling me, you know, he says, you know, you, you're different. And I just left South Carolina State, and everybody who was there to me just like me, and they were ready and prepared to show how educated they were. And because I didn't talk in any slang language and I didn't, uh, care, you know, just talk all off the cuff and I talked to them in the best way I could, it wasn't like I was putting on any act. I just used the English and the language that my mom taught me to use in, in a respectful manner in a work environment. And so, but even then, they're still, see, in his mind, he saw somebody was different than who he expected them to be. And every time we interact with them, they get different opinions of who they're talking to based on who they believe we are and based on uh, who we actually are. You know, when we get disappointed because of customer service, I'm not going to sit there and cuss nobody out because they gave me the wrong uh, order. Uh, If they steal from me, and I know they're stealing from me, I realize that I I have to act above who they are and do the best I can to explain why they're wrong. But at the end, I realize all I I can do is walk out of that place and get in my car and go on about my business 
and see what who I can reach on the phone when I've been given court service. But there are a group of individuals, Nate, who are looking for every reason to be violent, who are looking for every reason to strike out just because someone has done them an injustice. And it has a tendency uh, to make us look extremely bad. So what what do, what do we do when we want the society to take us differently, to to accept the fact that we are ready and prepared to be respected and treated as human beings and play our role in society to the best of our ability? Uh, good evening, everybody, and everything. Uh, one of the things that I, I go out of my way to do is for people to get to know me on the, on an on a individual level, on a personal level. Because I remember when I was in basic training back in 1993, it was on, we had a guy, a soldier from Wisconsin. He said he'd never seen a black person up close. You know, he said he always seen us on TV and everything like that, but he never seen us up close. And I remember when he had first said that, and my first impulse was I wanted to kind of get mad because I'm like, what do you mean you never seen us up close before? But I didn't because one of the things is that 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 ignorance is taught, you know, it's, it's passed on. He was just being honest that he never met a black person up close. He just seen on TV. Now my question was after that, what did you see on TV? You know, because it seemed like the camera always have a way of trying to find the most ignorant person in the world to put on TV to speak for everybody else. So I always put things on a personal level. And I, I learned this one thing when I was in the Army, especially when I went to another country. They always told us, be careful how you act because you represent the government of the United States. So everywhere I go, I'm always careful how I act because I represent my mom and my dad. I do not want to – I don't want to misrepresent my mom and all, all, all what she went through to raise me. That's why um, um, if, if my mom going to be ashamed of it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to embarrass her, and I'm not going to embarrass my children, and they dad don't did something stupid and everything like that. That's what I love about this radio show, because this radio, this radio show keeps me from doing things like that, because we're talking about things like that. I understand people can have a bad day and everything, but I get tired on t- tired every time I turn on TV. We doing something dumb and stupid for the most dumb and stupid reasons. And then those of us who are trying to be law-abiding citizens, who try to uphold a great standard for our people, have to answer for what the ignorant ones are doing. It's like they don't want to be held accountable. I saw that video of that young lady when she went to McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. She 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 wanted, like you said, she wanted to tear up something. She wanted to go on a rampage and everything. But at the same time, as soon as she did what she did, she walked right on out. She wanted to do what she did, but she wanted to be held accountable for what she did. And we don't like being held accountable for stuff. And that's what we have to do is get to the point of uh, holding, being accountable. When I'm at work, I make sure the stuff I say is, is not anything ignorant or anything like that. Because I want, because predominantly where I work at is predominantly white where I work at, especially in the leadership department. I want them to see an intelligent black person. Not because I want to get promoted, but 
but for the next one come behind me. So they have an opportunity and and chance and everything like that. One of the reasons why a lot of times we don't get promotion and stuff because those who come before us or 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 currently is doing so, is is being so ignorant and you can't tell them nothing that they don't want to give the next black person a, a chance or a try. So I always try to do everything on an individual level so they get to know the person and not the color of the person. Thank you, James. Reverend Smith, you know, despite us thinking we are individuals, we are connected. And we're losing that war with some of the behaviors of some of our African-American individuals who seemingly want to make the stereotype type real. Good good evening, everyone. Uh, I don't really think that we have nothing to do with it. It's the ignorance of the individuals, of the other races of individuals, whomever it is, who is actually putting us, like Nate said, out there in a bad light. Uh, I, I, I had a similar experience that Nate had when I was in the military. Uh, this was a Tennessee guy from the hills of Tennessee. You had never really seen a black person at all. And, and, and it, late at night, you know, he was in my barracks, and he'd come around there where we were, you know, looking at me some waiting to see if my tail was going to grow out of some kind of foolishness like that. This was in the 60s and I wanted to knock his head off when I found out about it but then I realized that this young man is just lost. He's just lost. So I asked him, who told you that foolishness? He said, my mom and daddy told me that. And he said, you all are not like what they told me. I said, no, we're not. I said, you got to learn to, you know, you got to learn to learn us for yourself. That's mm-hmm. where it all comes from. And it's, it's, a, it's a progressive thing that goes through its progression from the older heads. If you look at the younger people nowadays, that's what we have to start really focusing on. Forget about what, what the older, because they are not going to change their ways. The younger people now respect one another, black, white, green, Asian, Latino, whatever. They don't have that foolishness around them. But you got a lot of the old country behind folks that are telling their children <clears throat> still all of this food. That's where the skinheads and all this kind of stuff comes from. And and I I, I demanded respect when I was in in law enforcement. I demanded respect. You don't re, you don't demand respect. You're not going to get respect. And I right. don't respect. I don't respect the, the the particular individual, maybe, but I will respect the position that that person holds until they show me themselves that they cannot or are not to be respected. And the position I will still respect, but I won't respect them. And so that's what's happening to us. We've got to just let go and let God. Uh, D had to write uh, Nothing, it's a choice that God gives to us. And if we have the choice to do good or do bad, we have the choice to, to, to make a difference in someone else's life and, first of all, our own lives, or we are not going to make it good anyway. So that's what I do now. 
as a pastor, as a, as a, as a person even before that, even in law enforcement. You know, you got, I walked up to a person's car. I gave them respect. I said, good evening, good morning. And I would tell them right then and there, I would tell them what I stopped them for, okay? And I'm like, they're dogs and talking trash. That creates animosity and foolishness. Mm-hmm. So respect is tremendously important. Respect. You don't have to like me, but if you hang around me, you're going to respect me because otherwise we're going to part company because always, like Cheryl said, you've got to respect. First of all, you got to respect yourself. Okay? You've got to carry yourself in a respectable fashion and manner. And like you said, James, using the English that we were taught, not the foolishness, not the show. It's okay every now and then when you're around people that you're laughing and joking with to use this. But when you're out there in the workplace and when you're out there meeting and with other people, remember somebody out there is looking at you. And then you got right. others, like Nate said, coming up behind you. You've got to carry yourself in a manner and speak in a manner that people will respect you. And so that's that's my take on respect. I just feel you can't respect somebody else if you don't respect yourself. And that's what we've got to work on is getting our young people to respect themselves. God bless. Thank you, Reverend Smith. Um, Joyce, you know, it is amazing that we come from different eras and we're we – um, and from different places, but we are being taught similar to the same thing, and we live and honor ourselves by honoring others. So, you know, what is your thoughts about how important it is to be respected and to give respect, even if you may be unhappy about something, you still carry yourself and with some type of discipline? Exactly. Well, I was brought up there. The moment that we walk outside that door, not only are we representing ourselves, we're representing our family, our mom, our dad, our parents before that. That's who you are. What you do every day, how you present yourself is a blueprint of who you are and what you made of and where you come from. So you know how to act. You know how to deal when you're around people. Don't be don't be predictable is what they always say. Don't be so easily read. They, uh, certain people expect Afro-Americans and other people to act a certain way. Flip the switch. You don't fall in that category. That's not who you are. That's not who you are when you leave this house. That's not who you are as to what your last name stands for. That's not who you are for what your parent has paid the way as to how you present yourself. That's what I'm all about. That's what we were taught, and that's what we was raised, and that's how we care ourselves. We got to portray that. We got to deal with it every day. We got to show our young people as to you are somebody. That's being the king and the queen, and letting you know as to where your forefathers are from a long, long time ago as to who they are. That's who you have to let 
present in your mind and as to, to who you portray every day as to the people that you meet and who they see. Now, they might be thinking you are somebody else, uh, that they, they want to portray that you, uh, who you are, all that other category. I had a supervisor once that told me this, and it kind of blew my mind. I had to think about it because I never did. He said, and this was during my evaluation, do you watch MTV? At the time, I had not, and I didn't know anything about it. He said, can I ask you a question? I told him, yes. He said, why do... Uh, 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 people like to be called bitches and hoes on MTV, and then if you have a problem with uh, other people, you get upset when people call you call you that. Can you imagine a supervisor asking me that question? Mm. Can you imagine? I told him, let me tell you one thing. To be honest with you, i never seen MTV, and I don't know what that represents. But I say that being respectable as to who you are and what you are. Uh, I don't know about the, the business or whatever or where you got that, so I don't know how to answer your question because I don't even fall in that category, and that's not who I am, and no one that, that's around me ever called me that name, so I can't help you there. But that is that is pathetic. But that you, you can imagine what how people be. But that's what they think, and that's how they see they see what they see on MTV and all those other. So I came home and I had to start watching MTV to actually see what in the hell it is that he was talking about. But you know that mm. tells you that I I was I wasn't into the groove of what things are. So now I watch a lot of TV and I watch it from all type of uh, angles and and different things. So I know how to be able to address everything in your environment. Interesting. Well, huh? one of the things, uh, Joyce, is is that you know it's gotten even worse. Uh, MTV was, uh, you know, was close to the line, but we got things crossing the line now, and it seems like there's a segment of our society, Cheryl, that is willing to act like buffoons on television, adding to the stereotypes uh, that it, it is have existed for a long time. So now we don't. We have people who are just making it even worse uh, on television every day, uh, not even knowing who the father of their children are, or them being the father of a child and uh, has has no inkling of what it takes to be a father. So they um, suggest that we. Uh, it has been suggested a long time that we're overset. And that's all we think about. You know, when, and you know, I don't watch um, TV, but it has gotten to the point where it's embarrassing to watch us on television. And I understand that it may be a role, but it definitely will be a role that no amount of money can make me act the way that some act. Because sometimes it's hard to separate that character to the real person. And then we begin to look at that person as that character. And when I say that, I'm really talking about reality TV. Because 
although we think that that is the way a lot of them live, um, I know it's amped up a lot. But you wouldn't get me in the position to start to fight and to curse and to degrade myself. And, I mean, that means I'm putting a price on my dignity, on my um on who I am. And I mean, I think that, you know, and I believe that we put a price, too many of us put a price on the way we are willing to act, whether it's in character or out of character. And that's something that I'm not willing to compromise myself on because I want to be and I want people to know who I am, and I am the same person all the time. And I can see, you know, playing a, 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 a type of role, but not a role that would see us in the light that we are seeing us, you know, so many of us act when it comes to television. And, you know, when you talk about how men you know, that's with the women. But when you talk about men and how women become to be so much powerful and they bring that power in the home, then we find that men feel like they're not needed. They're not wanted. And that brings them into another character as well. With so many, you know, we can go into so many different avenues when it comes to that but I mean we can't allow money to drive us to the point that we lose our identity we lose who we are just because of it D you know um, Shell said something that's real important for everybody to know and intelligent people already know it that reality TV is not reality People are always going to act in extreme ways because that's what they think is going to bring the most attention. And so when you have these shows where these people come on and uh, tell these horrific stories about their personal lives and how they interact with each other's families members, there's nothing real about that because half of that stuff is just stuff they make up so that they can have their, their mem- moment of fame and uh, uh, play these ridiculous parts about who they are. Well, you know, uh, everybody has really said something really, really important. But I'm going to start right where you left off at, you and Michelle left off at, James, and then i I got to tackle some things real quick, really quickly, I promise. Um, you know, uh, Ted Turner uh, and CNN invented uh, cable news network the cable network, uh, and this is a network that did not have to succumb to uh, FCC regulations on, on the strictest level. Uh, uh, next to come along was Fox News. Fox News has been around ever since the inception of uh, of cable news network. Now, can you imagine since the inception of cable news and the cable network and reality TV, there's a generation of people and kids and people that never knew actual television. The the criteria behind real journalism 
they they never witnessed that. All they ever all they have ever known is cable television and 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 reality TV. They have no idea what real TV is or, or real entertainment is. All right, so we got that out now. I, I but I got to run back to something that Nate said that brought this to my attention. Uh, he mentioned that when he goes to work, uh, he has a mindset to set an example for the next person coming behind him and needing a position to follow. Already, the table has already set. Looks like we have lost D. But Reverend uh, Smith, you know, there has been some detrimental things done to us because of where television has gone. And some of these ridiculous shows that show us in such bad light. Black Eyes on. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, D. I'm sorry. I apologize. And so um, uh, the actual concept of, uh, of respect was the mantra. For, for the for the Negro man and woman. Um, they came to understand that in order to get what we want, we first have to prove to everyone that we are somebody that's 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 that need to be respected. All right. So, you know, um we were Negroes up until the day that Dr. King was killed. Then we became black. Because there was a new movement standing in the wings that was ready to pick up that baton and move us forward. Now, I remember I was 12 years old when Dr. King was killed, and integration was just taking a foothold, okay? And I remember uh, by the time I was teen and, and had been allowed to work in white America, I had a real resentment for them. I had a real resentment for them for what they had done to us. And so... Um, you know, I can't honestly say that my attitude was to pave the way for the for the black person coming behind me because I was angry. And so, but I think where we are now, we we have been forced to get back to that place where we have to show our young people that respect first, respect for one self first is the first stepping stone. Then we can learn. Then we can start to show everybody else that we are due to be respected. So there's a there's a lot of work to be done. You know, Ms. Sheriff says all the time, whatever we're doing, we can surely do better. Well, I, I think that social media is probably one of those new frontiers that we can use to convey this message that day by day, little by little, show a little respect. And I think that um, that's one of the playing fields that we need to pay more attention to. Yeah. And thanks for waiting on me, y'all. I appreciate it. Let me let me just say this uh, to everybody, and I want everybody to respond uh, to what I'm suggesting. That there is a a new frontier 
that is related to young African Americans that didn't seem to exist for me in the 70s. I mean, our music even suggested that life was going to get better. Uh, life was going, we were going to be full with love. Uh, we, were going, we were going to fight the battle of uh, being good citizens and being respected citizens. But some of the way along the line, the thug life started being respected more than the civilized life. Uh, these people walking around with the draws showing. I mean, it just seemed like somehow or another we went off the, the trail, Reverend Smith. I mean, somewhere along the line, uh, acting and looking distasteful took place of being uh, respected. Are you there, Reverend Smith? Yeah, I keep doing that. I was talking before, and I had it on mute, and uh, now I forgot I had it on mute again. Uh, but anyway, you're right. Um, it seems to me that we out we have a tendency to go back into what I used to say: "Monkey see, monkey do." Uh, mm-hmm. With this, with this foolishness of dropping your pants down. To you by halfway behind your halfway you're behind and doing all the I, I don't respect anyone that do that I'm gonna tell you that right now I don't respect it. and any of my relatives grandchildren or any of them come around me you gonna you, they know they better pull their pants all the way up and don't be walking around jacking your pants up you better have a belt on you know right because this this is the only way and that's what most of the parents need to do. We have changed so much since integration, James. Integration, I'm sorry, integration has taken away a lot of our pride. We had pride because most of our kids were going to the, to the black neighborhood stores. Most of our kids were being chastised by black store owners and teachers and, and others that were in the community. Like they said, it takes a community to raise a child. They were being brought up in that manner. They were constantly being taken care of in that fashion and manner. When we did something at the end of the street, everybody knew, and we got our behind to us. Integration took away a lot of those things, and that's where we lost control because now what is going on is we're trying to be like. They're trying to be like us, and we're trying to be like them. And, and that that will never, ever come to a fruition. It won't. Because until I just think God is in the mix of all of this, just telling us, wait, you don't, you don't think you are good enough for what you are or what you were? So what I guess what? You want to be somebody else? Now go ahead on and do what you want to do and enjoy and watch where you get. So mm. I'm not one of those individuals that uh, uh, are looking at what happened years and years ago, but I do look at the fact that integration destroyed our communities because what happened to the mom and pop stores? 
What happened to all these other businesses that we had in our communities where the children had someone to look up to instead of the white teacher or the white this or the white that? That's what our children are looking. They want to be just like Mr. Jody, okay? You can't be like Mr. Jody. You can be better than Mr. Jody. That part. Our Our thing is we've got to help our children to understand. And a lot of these kids with that darn pants hanging down, they don't realize the connotations of what it means to have your pants hanging down like that. They think it's cool. But in prison, as you well know, that was a come on, baby, I got you. Okay? <laughs> you know, so they, it, it, it's sad. It's sad that I w- I'm still going to go back to the church, and then I'm going to shut up. I go back to the church. We saw these things happening. Martin Luther King saw these things happening, and he went out and did something about them. We saw these things happening, and I'm in the mix of it too. We saw these things happening, and we did nothing about it, nothing, but sit behind our pulpits, and we preached our gospels. We left the church. We went home and stayed the heck away from the community. That's what I did at the beginning. But now and before that, for the last 15 or 20 years, I've been right out there with them trying to get them into doing the right thing. So we got to stop in the church putting sugar on it. Everybody's not going to be rich. Everybody's not going to be That's right. uh, uh, this uh, just high muckety muck. You've got to let go and let God. It's God, not you. It's not about us. And that's where we're making our mistake. Just like God put Israel back into slavery, he's put us back into slavery. And that's my, that's my come on. Uh, Joyce, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me that for you can go back to the 1920s and come forward uh, that African-Americans uh, appreciated and worked hard uh, to be well-dressed. You can come all the way up to the Soul Train where the kids, we wanted to emulate the way that they dressed and they were dressed respectfully and, and sharp and crisp and clean. And yet we have now a day where people are, are looking to dress in them fashions that uh, are deplorable. Uh, how have we lost so much? Well, I, I well, I think we lost a lot, and just like the Reverend said, segregation it didn't do too much for us because we lost confidence and uh, and stopped believing into who we are and what we all about. We were so busy wanting these are our young people wanted to be so much like them, and they believe it or not, they wanted to be like you. They always thought you was cool, but all of a sudden we thinking whatever they do was impossible. And what do you want to do like they did? They have a whole set of rules, and their rules was too much freedom. With our set of rules, we knew that we had to be at home at a certain time. We knew that we had to go mm-hmm. to church on a, on a Sunday, and if you don't go to church on Sunday, you can't do nothing for the rest of the week. There's just certain values that we had, and we 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 decided to put all those values aside because we wanted to be so much have that that freedom, and that wasn't about anything and about nothing. We started naming some 
Rosita and all these other names that, that are stop you before you can get to the front door. You are not going to get a job because the way that your name, you won't even get an interview. So we have to start tricking the sure. system back again as to who we are and what we're all about. You're right. We used to buy everything black. I used to be able to go down to the store and get some eggs and some bread. You can't do that now because there's no store for you to go down that is black-owned. All of the other stores, the, the uh, uh, Chinese and the white stores, they're in your community. We, can't, we don't have anything that we can say ownership. I say that particularly in, in, in my state. maybe different in Atlanta, and Atlanta would be probably the only state that that's, that's like. I come from Mississippi, and I was just there when we buried my brother. That night is no longer there in Mississippi, in my, my old hometown. You know, it's, it, there's nothing black, nothing on black, nothing where we can cater to our community and make our community strong. We lost it. We used to have everything. We uh, Going to church used to be full of young people. Now you go to church, there's hardly no young people there. We, 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 we've lost our way, and we really need to come back. We need to look in the mirror, feel good about who we are, what we're all about, and we've got to let our young people know that your last name stands for something. This is who you represent. When you leave the house, represent your name. Think about it. Think twice about doing an action because how is this going to reflect on my parents? How is this going to reflect right. on my last name? That's what we got to start thinking, and that's what we need to get back to. It is uh, disappointing that uh, people have allowed themselves to get to the point where they have young people who are acting in deplorable ways, uh, buying into and, uh, and accepting a thuggish existence. And so... Uh, Andre, you know what happened to us as a as a community, where the thug life and the uh, twisting your hair up has become the norm, and when we when African Americans worked so hard to be respectable uh, in the past. Well, tremendous Thursday to everyone, and I just uh, joined in, and I heard the end of what Joyce was saying, and I think it applies. Uh, we have to put the expectations on uh, the values that we have and don't accept anything less. You know, sometimes I think we become so distracted and we're so busy. We're, so, we're running and we're chasing so many things, but... We have to understand what's the true value of what we really should be dedicating our time to because uh, after us, what type of legacy will continue and, and no one knows that's coming behind us. So if we don't put those expectations, like Joy saying, if we don't make people recognize, you know, it's the reason why your name is what it is. And this is what I expect to happen when you're out there and hold, hold them accountable. And, you know, we have to have the dialogue and the discussion. We can't take things for granted and think that just because when we were growing up, when, some, when we went out and, and this is occurring, we're in a whole different environment now. And, and like George was mentioning, you know, if you go into a church and you don't have young people, you're going to a dying church. Uh, because the older people, the ones that have that commitment, that loyalty, that dedication, you know, we're, we're dying off. 
Well, it's up to us to teach those that's coming behind us and so that they will be able to take over and want to take over. So then the question becomes, how do we um, put that interest there? And do we have to work to put that interest there, or are the parents, um, you know, responsible and accountable for not only sending their children to church but also taking them? Um, So I think that's the impact, uh, James. You know, it is difficult to understand. There used to be a common ground between uh, the middle class and the poor. And I say that because when I was growing up here in Orlando, a lot of my classmates living in public housing, but they fought their way to the middle class. We went to college. SAMU, South Carolina State, Bethune, Cookman, uh, Morehouse, uh, um, Spellman. A lot of people in public housing fought their way into these colleges and found their way into the middle class. But seemingly the middle uh, the poor now have established that they don't want any part of the middle class, or they're not fighting the same fight that we we fought together uh, in the 60s and 70s. And so uh, it confuses me, uh, Nate, that somehow or another there is a segment of the poor who have accepted and don't seem to, to want to get out of it. You know, <clears throat> as I was listening to everybody, um, I realized one thing that um that I'm the baby of the crew, and um I'm 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 right under your, my generation, right under your generation, and I think what a lot of this stuff had failed at is during my generation. I'm not pushing on the legacy of what your generation, the generation before you, have have, have set up there before us. You know, like a lot of my generation, a lot of guys I went uh I went to school with, a lot of them dead now, or was in jail, out there selling dope. And like in the 80s, that's when it really got big and everything. And we did nothing to to stop this. We did nothing to to take the time and dedication to push pride. And pride is not being pushed no more. You know, uh, um, the generation under me, they have no idea what the generation above me went through. They, they have no idea. They have a sense of entitlement and thinking everything is owed to them. And my generation, you know, I'm just talking about my generation, has failed a delivering reality of what's going on. My generation was out there trying to make the fast money, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to make everything cool. That's how the thugging and everything cool. We try to make everything cool, and cool is not reality. And we failed at that miserably. But even when it came to church, when I was going to church, you know, just 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 like just like young lady I said before, if you ain't go to church. You know, you 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 weren't getting no extra, extra uh, activity. You couldn't go outside and do those things. Well, my generation came. We we did away with those things. We did away with that standard. We start trying to be all about making fast money and not teaching priorities and responsibilities. And then we got into that that um, the ideology is okay to go ahead and and have kids at an early age and, and being having acceptable of having kids outside of being marriage. You know, my generation was responsible for a lot of that and everything. <clears throat> and then we got it to the point where 
the dads were nowhere around because a lot of the dads were either dead or in jail. I saw this with my own eyes. I know a lot of guys who fit this criteria that's in my age group and everything, and a lot of them yet still to this day don't want to take responsibility for their actions or what they have done. They still want to blame the man, and they don't realize they are the man that interfere with their own lives. So what I try to do now, if anybody I talk to, is raise the bar, raise the standard. Understand our ideology. Understand where we come from. Understand what we've been through. See, I wasn't growing up when they had all those. Uh, had, had had a lot of the black stores, but I do remember the flip lady. I do remember the ice cream lady. I remember those things and everything. And those things have got lost in time. We have gotten away from our history, our heritage, and who we are. I, I think it's important for us to understand that we need to go back and trace our family roots and understand of who we are. Understand the struggles and everything, because when you have a sense of entitlement, I have a sense of responsibility. It's not a sense of entitlement. When I see guys like the Tuskegee Airmen who went through all that, when they said niggas couldn't do this, they proved that we can, we can fly, we can we can, we can become generals and everything. I have a responsibility as this generation of, of soldiers to pass that on to the next incoming soldier, let them know we can do this. When I hear about the Buffalo soldiers and all those other people who did those things, that was much harder for, for for them to do at that time because people did not want to give them a chance. And now we have a chance to do these things. We have gotten away. And the sad thing about it, we don't know our history, and it's our fault. Thank you, James. And, you know, it, it's interesting you brought that up because I'm a part of the Wells Built Museum here in Orlando, and that's why Dr. Wells is so important. Dr. Wells came to Orlando uh, in 1918, and he built a private practice, and he uh, built a hotel, and he um, delivered 5,000 children, and um, he had a home that he wasn't supposed to have, a luxury two-story home that he wasn't supposed to have. And so what saddens me is like um, – um, Reverend Smith talked about what Dr. Wells did in Orlando, uh, and now it has become a museum at 511 West um, South Street. People were doing it in every city across the nation. Every Mm -hmm. city across the nation had access, more than likely, to a black doctor, had access, more than likely, to a black nurse and had access to the things that black entrepreneurs were willing to do. But yet now we have young men who seem to be stuck on stupid and are ready and prepared to give their freedom away, Cheryl. So it looks like there's a segment of our society that has decided they don't want to live by the same rules and respectability that we had once come to know. Well, you know, you, we got to understand if it's not taught, if it's not led by an example, if it's not integrated into the home, then they won't know. They won't know at all. And, you know, I hear, um, I think that was Nate was saying about his generation, but I feel like my generation, when I talk to 
uh, around and go to alumni um, things, I hear the conversation as far as I'm not going to do what my parents did, whatever that may be, and however strict that may be. It's that I find that they allow their children to tell them instead of them telling their children. I find that so many homes are not led by going to church, that they don't put God as the priority in their household. So when the household has lost that, then there's nothing but chaos because it is the foundation of what we can stand on through prayer, you know, and I'm not sure whoever said it as far as going to church. I know the same thing with us. If we did not go to church, we better not even open, don't even open your mouth and act about going anywhere, doing anything, because evidently you were too sick to go to church, so you are too sick to do anything else. But I find that, you know, my generation and just being around has fallen so far. And then the next generation, because we didn't, and when I say we, I don't mean everybody. I mean the majority of the people that I'm around and I'm listening to, you know, I'm thinking, now who is the parent and who is the child? And then when the child is around, it's that they are telling the parents what to do. Mm -hmm. We never had that ever opened our mouth in that type of way. So we have to start, you know, we blaming them, but we got to start blaming where blame is. We as parents don't have, we don't take the time to teach the children, to teach them so much of our own history, you know, just waiting for the schools to teach them that. We are not um, teaching having integrity. We are not teaching just like mm-hmm. I, I want to say it was Joyce, but I'm not sure. You know, when we walk out of our door, you better not give our family a bad name. So many things that we have to, had to live up to, and it wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult at all. I mean, because I'm going to tell you, I didn't turn out bad at all if I want to say it for myself. You know, but we have flat in so many areas, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, we talk about being tired, but if we prepare, if we prepare, you know, um, for the next day, if we prepare for the week, whatever it is, whether it means getting the clothes out, your activities, food prep, whatever it may be, you know, Saturday was our day to get our clothes out for church. We didn't get up Sunday morning and thought about mm-hmm. how we, what we was going to do to our hair and what we was going to wear at the last minute. We prepared ourselves for church. And when we walked in church, we represented. We didn't walk in there like, you know, I go to church, and I'm thinking if these people had passed by church on the way to the grocery store, that's just how they are dressed today. You know, they don't give honor where honor is due. But you best, if they go to a wedding or if they go to uh, uh, something, a concert, 
they going all out. They're preparing the whole month before mm-hmm. what they're going to wear, what shoes, what ha- how their hair, the nails, the makeup, you know, the men and the women alike. So our priorities are in the wrong place. And it all started at home. So we got to do better with teaching our children. And if we fail them, we better go back and start going at it with the grandchildren. You know, don't lift our hands up and think that, oh, you know, we don't have a job no longer to do. But we can meet our adult children where they are and begin to go back and start integrating those things in their life. And we can do it in a manner where they don't even know it. So that's why I always say we can always do better and we can always do more. Uh, D, um, you're you're raising good citizens. How important is it for you that they emulate what you think society uh, should be like? But James, uh, you know, I I think um, when you spoke uh, about. Uh, 15 minutes ago, uh, you spoke about the connection. And I think the simplest form such as that is is where we are, I think that's the missing link, the connection. Um, You know, when we spoke about how uh, we let thug life come in and, and, and rule the day, well, that was the disconnection that we're allowed to happen, you know. But I want to say something real quick to Nate. Uh, Nate, I'm not going to let you uh, to, I'm not going to let you take the blame uh, wholeheartedly about where we are, uh, your generation and all, because we were the predecessors to your generation. And uh, we um, did not lay the groundwork on, on what, what should have been paid more attention to, and and this and I'm gonna say this real quick, Jane, because I know you run up against the clock. Uh, you know, uh, it took me a long time to understand what a man is supposed to be. Um, my my daddy, uh, I, I I loved him and he loved me, but he wasn't the greatest example of what a man was supposed to be. I grew up thinking that a man was how many women you can have. And how clean you was, and how how you how you dressed, and and that's and that's the model that I followed. It wasn't until things happened in my life, and I actually met Christ for real, for real that I come to understand what manhood really was, and that was st- st- sticking next to your responsibility and and toughing it out. So, um, so I think going forward, the reestablishing the connection. With our young people, as hard as that as hard as that may seem, you know, once once the young people reach the age of twenty five and, and and heading toward their thirties, they're ready for something new. They're ready for something new. They they have surpassed the third the third life era. So then now they're looking for some new guidance. So mm-hmm. Brother Smith and all of us, let's, let's start paying attention because they 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 are hungry now. They want to learn. At least when they was coming up. They heard enough from their mom and their grandma to stay out of jail. These guys, these are the guys I'm talking about. Now they're 28, 29, and 30. They're hungry again, and they need some guidance, and we should be there to help them out. 
Thank you. Uh, Andre, I'm going to go to you. You and I um, had our children a little early, but we were able to uh, work with them and get them to be uh, productive citizens. And I have to tell you, I'm a very proud father of the fact that my daughter doesn't come to me every five seconds asking for money because she's an she's an established citizen. She's established a life for herself, and 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 it makes me proud. And what does it take to establish uh, a productive child and make them gravitate towards the same lifestyle that you have created for yourself? Uh, I end up following the example that was provided by my family. Uh, you know, my my dad and my mom, they expected certain things of me. And so in return, uh, we it was about survival, man, when we was coming up. We, we may have been poor financially, but I would venture to say we were very rich in values and morals and love. Um, those type of things. So, you know, one of the things that my son and I, we kid about now is the fact that, um, you know, when we were growing up, I told him he had a certain amount of, of money that he would receive as an allowance. Now, when he wanted those expensive Timberlake shoes and all that kind of stuff, I had a certain amount of money that I was going to spend on it. The rest of it, either you save it to the next month, or either you go out there and work and get the balance because I'm not pay- I wasn't going to pay for him to have names of somebody else on him and I'm trying to make ends meet. It just didn't work like that. So uh, when uh, uh, my ex-husband's son was living with us, you know, he asked me one day, you know, he asked, you know, we, we made pretty good money, he, he and uh, his me and his father together, and I said, yeah, we, we we are blessed. We really are. And he asked me, he said, well, I don't understand it. You all make good money. Why do you still go to the dollar store? Why do you still shop in the dollar store? That just didn't make sense to him. You know? And I told him, I said, you know, when you grow up and you uh, become the head of your household, you'll understand that there's certain things that you get. I mean, don't get me wrong, you buy things of value. But why pay extra money for stuff when you don't have to? I mean, that's when you learn to save and make do because there's going to be coming a day when you need money for an emergency that you have to have mm-hmm. that. So, James, to answer your question, I think it's we, we teach what we're taught. Ms. Cheryl said it right. We have to teach and we have to live by example. And we put those expectations there. You know, I just couldn't understand when people said that their parents had bought them those expensive things, but yet their light, were, their light bill wasn't paid. That didn't make sense to us. We just made sure that we were taught that, my dad said, always make sure that you have a place to lay your head, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so you, you know, you can get a fancy car if you want to, but where are you going to park that fancy car? Is the car that you park in more expensive or better than the house that you're living in? So no matter what, when it's all said and done, will somebody in the family have a place to stay? So uh, those are the things that I just grew up with, and I just try to uh, reinforce them. And, and I pray that my son will use some of those same values uh, as he raises his, his children. 
It is so interesting you said that because there are things that your parents tell you or older people tell you that always stick with you. One of the things my mom always told me was, she said if a rich man is one payment from losing his house, he in the same boat with a poor person who is one payment from losing his house. And it's, it's about being separating yourself from that one payment where you're not afraid of where your next meal is going to come from, that you live within your means so that you can uh, be prepared for that rainy day. Because we all know that they're coming. But it's because of your upbringing that you, uh, you save those things and you help raise your children in a way that they can be able to just you but respectful to the world. Uh, Reverend Smith, and, and that is important that we raise our children and raise the expectations of those people around us to appreciate being good citizens. Are you there, Reverend Smith? Yeah, I'm here, Jane. I'm here. I'm sorry, I did it again. I'm driving, so that's what uh, that's why that happens. I taught my I taught my girls the same thing. I taught them I, I taught them how to live. I taught them how to how to take care of because I became the mother and the father when my wife died years ago. So I had to I had to be the mother and the father and teach them. That everything does not money don't grow on trees. My dad was the opposite of uh, what I think it was Regina that said. We had we had what we needed, and my dad did not teach me how not to spend a lot of money because he was chasing women and uh, uh, throwing money away left and right. He had the money, so he threw it away. And if it had not been for my mother. I would have probably been the same identical way, the same identical way, because monkey see, monkey do. And I love my dad, and I still love him. Before he died, I still love him. But the thing of it is, he he didn't give me any values, values of of, of carrying on life. Like D said, I was like, how much money I had, uh, and, and how did I dress? And I was just cool, and I I had all the women because I was the one that had all the money. You know, I thought that was everything. But we have to teach our children, and I I'm glad. I thank God that I taught my girls. Now they all got good jobs. They living on their own. They're taking care of themselves, and to God be the glory, because they're all excellent. They all went to college, so I'm free. I'm free, and I tell them quick. You don't need me anymore, so stay away from me. <laughs> Just stay away from me. I am not going to be taking care of no grown behind people. They know better, but I tell them anyway. So we've got to. It starts. It starts like these. It starts with the parents. It starts with the parents. And that's what—that's the only way we can go with this. 
Uh, Joyce, you have raised two two independent children, and uh, you know you can be proud, and you can be proud of them being uh, good citizens. We got to do more of that, don't we? Exactly. It's just like Miss Carroll said. It's not too late. And what Dee said, we our young people uh, over that certain particular age, they hungry, and now they got our attention. Now that they have our attention, what are we going to do with that? So as far as what I do, I start this past every chance I get with my grandkids. There's certain ways that I'm teaching them what to do, how to do, how to carry themselves, and they know when you're around Nana, it's a certain way that you, Nana wants to do things, none of this and that. It's, it's a certain kind of respect. My uh, small grandson, he's one and a half. He'll be two uh, in a couple of months. I, God is grace and God is good. That it, it, It's just certain things that I, I teach them all the way. It's certain things that, that, that they know certain things, pick up behind yourself. These are the rules. These are the rules that I don't know what your house rules are, but you know when you're around Nana, it's certain type of rules, and that's how they learn. That's how they, they learn that this, their respect for the, each other, themselves, and the whole bit. So it, it, you teach them small. So I don't have an opportunity to, to do my boys anymore, but I do have that opportunity to, to do it as a grandmother. So I know, that, like you say, your role never stops. Your job is never done. So now that you, your older kids are out of the way, now it's our job to, to instill certain things into our grandkids. And that's what you do. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and let everybody have their final say for this evening. Help your children And don't let them fall By the side of the road And teach them To love one another In their heart Jesus Is love He won't let you down And I know
your final thought for this evening? Well, thank you, Jane, for a great show, really great show. Um, my final words are, you know, if, if we thought that our parenting was over, then thanks to Donald Trump and, and this era that we're in, uh, we have become, it's time for us to, to be reawakened and get back on our job because we can't leave this earth without that job being done correctly. Thank you. All right. Uh, Andre, your final thought for this evening? Uh, let us just be mindful that um, we are blessed, we are favored, and that the Lord created us and he has a good plan for us. So let us take the steps to achieve that good plan, not only for ourselves, but for others. Amen. Cheryl, your final thought for this evening? Great, great, great topic, great um, conversation. Um, and as I always say, whatever we do, we can always do more while doing that. Amen. Uh, Joyce, your final thought for this evening? Well, I would just like to come in on what everybody else said, which is just everything. And I'll make sure that when we're ready to pass the baton, and thank you, Dee. Yeah, this is our wake-up call for people of our generation. Now our attention, we, we, we awaken, so we are ready to make sure that when we do pass that baton that it, it's going to go into good hands. Thank you. Uh, Nate, your final thought for this evening. Are you there, Nate? Reverend Smith? Yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm sorry. Right, My phone like was a... on me. I pulled, I pulled a Reverend Smith. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Nate. Uh, let's... Let us remember that we are still kings, we are still queens. Let's just pass the royalty down our bloodline. And and I'm at the dollar store right now, so I ain't going to forget where I come from. So I love y'all. Have a good night. All right. Take care, everybody. And, uh, again, I always thank you for your continued support. We'll be here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Dial in at 657-383-0309. So your voice can be heard loud and clear and without interruption. You can have all the money in your hands, all the possessions anyone can ever have, but it's our worth, it's treasure, true worth is only measure, not by what you got. But what you got in your heart You can have, you can have everything What does it, what does it mean? It all means nothing
Bye-bye.